Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. That has kind of two, two touch points that people might have identified. One was in the Greek and Roman culture where they would pour out what was called a libation, where they would take a cup of wine or something like that and pour it on the ground as a sign of worship of a god. But there's also Old Testament roots from this. If you go into the, the Old Testament sacrifices, very often food offering would include a drink offering where they would pour out something as a part of the sacrifice. This is the image Paul has for what's happening to him. That it seems that he's being poured out and the last couple parts of whatever is in that cup is being poured out. He still seems to have some hope or expectation that he may have some time left. He is... Hopeful that Timothy will come to visit him, but there's also urgency to it. He tells Timothy to come quickly. And whenever I read 2 Timothy, and I particularly get to this part, I can't help but hear a little bit of the possibility that this is Paul saying goodbye to Timothy. That he doesn't totally know how things are going to go, and this may be his last opportunity to give a charge to Timothy, to encourage Timothy in what he has been called to do. So, I'm going to be honest, I struggled with this passage this week. So, I'm going to start by telling you what I am supposed to say. Okay? So, here's what I'm supposed to say about this passage. Paul sees his whole life as being a beautiful offering poured out to God. And he sees that that offering is now coming to an end. But he can also see that God has seen him through to the end. And he can look back on his life with joy and satisfaction because as he says, he has fought the good fight to the end. He has completed the race that he has been on. And he has stayed in his faith through everything. And now he's looking forward to the reward. Now he is looking forward to that crown of righteousness. That thing that he has longed for the most is so very close. The reward is near. And even in these final days as he was essentially abandoned by his entire community, left going to this trial on on his own, facing these trials by himself, he testifies that God strengthened him through that. And he has supreme confidence that the Lord is going to protect him. And that protection doesn't mean that it is going to keep him from the experience of death, from everything we see in this passage. He anticipates that that's going to happen. But... He is confident that the Lord is going to see him through and help him to persevere such that he will safely come into the kingdom of God. And we should be like Paul in this. We should see our lives as an offering continually poured out to God and we should be willing even to step into all levels of suffering, even to the point of death for the sake of of the proclamation of the gospel and the worship of God. That's what I'm supposed to say. 
But when I look at this passage from the lens of just personal human experience, I struggle to say those things with integrity. And I think there's a couple reasons. One of them is that I maybe identify a little too much with Timothy about what it would be like to receive a letter from a person you deeply care about telling you that they are nearing the end of their life. Just the grief that that likely caused Timothy. I can't help but think back to previous members of our church who have gone to see the Lord and those, just those memories come up when I think about what it would be like to receive such a letter. So while certainly for Timothy, I'm guessing there was gladness in Paul's words and the satisfaction that he had, I also wonder if there had to have been grief there as well. There certainly was. And I think I struggle with this passage a little because I identify with that grief. If I were to be really transparent with you guys, this image of the libation, I don't like it. There's something in it that I don't find beautiful. And I think it's because whenever I hear this idea of being a drink offering, the picture in my head is just of a cup being poured out and it just kind of going into dry ground and being absorbed. And my probably warped little engineering brain just goes, that just seems like such a waste. And if I were to be honest, I, when I read this, wonder about myself. I know the places I'm weak. I know the things that I have done that are not pleasing to God. And there is that question lingering in the back of my mind, will I persevere like Paul? And I wonder a little bit, would I hold up under persecution? If I was in the same situation as Paul, if I was put on trial for something and no one from City of Refuge came, right? would I stay strong in that? Would I persevere if I faced real persecution for the gospel? And... I wonder a little bit about the reward, right? He talks about this idea of receiving a crown of righteousness, and there's part of me that just goes, Paul, what do you even mean by that? What is this crown of righteousness thing, right? Is this like a literal crown? Am I supposed to want a literal crown? Is this a figurative crown? Is this the righteousness I'm going to have? Is this the righteousness that I'm going to experience while I'm there? Like, what, is, what exactly is this reward? Can you give me some more details on this, right? There's a, there's a little bit of a sense of when I think about the reward of heaven, I struggle to wrap my mind around it a little bit. Like I read about it in the scriptures and there's a lot of good things it has to say about there. No more death, no more dying, no more sickness, no more tears. Like those are all good things, but I have no idea what that's like. I don't know exactly what that's going to be like. And there's parts of it that I have questions about that I don't totally get. I think one of the big ones, right, it talks about in other places that in heaven we're not going to be, be married or be given in marriage. So, like, Ellen's going to be there but not going to be my wife? Like, that just seems weird. Like, how does that even work? Like, and, is, how, and somehow I'm going to be happy under that situation. Like, I don't get that. 
So like for all these reasons, when I approach this, just looking at it kind of from human experience and my own understanding, I don't totally get this. I don't get where Paul's coming from, and I don't resonate with it. But um, I want to give thanks to Ellen and Elijah this week because they directed me to another passage that gave me a different image of what it looks like to be poured out that helped me with this. And I want to share it with you. And it comes out of John 12. So I want to read this story to you. This is John 12, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charged of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. For me, this is a much more relatable picture of what it looks like to be poured out. And it wasn't about it being wasted. And yes, it does not escape me that the one who was worried about it being wasted was Judas. But what I think captured me about this story is how much it was about love. Mary deeply loved Jesus. She deeply loved the one who had raised her brother from the dead. And Jesus says that in this, that she was preparing him for the burial, which whether she understood it or not, would have been the death that he took on her behalf. It was at the center of it about the love that she had for Jesus. And so there was a sacrifice there, a sacrifice of worship, something that filled the room with its scent. And it wasn't wasteful because it was done with such a deep and abiding love and the worthiness of the person that she was breaking it for. And I found it interesting that going back to 2 Timothy, when Paul was talking about the crown of righteousness, he says this. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have what? Loved his appearing. Paul describes those that are going to receive the crown of righteousness, that those are the ones that will love his appearing, the ones that are looking forward to his return, the ones that are looking forward to seeing with him and being with him. Like Paul was driven by that same love that the 
that Mary had when she was pouring that perfume out on Jesus' feet, it's that when he was pouring it out, he was pouring out his whole being, his whole life, and he did it because he loved the appearing of Jesus. And he knew the truth. He knew the truth of the scriptures. Right? In many places, he talks about the importance of it. In places like in Ephesians 4, where he talks about the word of God being like an anchor so that we are not tossed about by the sea. And so when the world tried to sift Paul, he was anchored in that truth. And he had such deep faith. He had a faith that God is going to keep him from falling away. He had a faith that the reward of God will be ultimately good and ultimately satisfying, maybe even not fully understanding what it would be. Faith that what he had sacrificed in the worship of God would be worth it and faith that God is going to be with Timothy even in the midst of losing him. Like when I look at 2 Timothy 4, just on the surface, I'm like, I don't relate to this. I don't understand this. But then when you look at what is behind it, I think what you see is the, the dedication Paul had to the truth, the deep love he had for Jesus, and the abiding faith that was there. And that is why when he was put on trial, he responded the way he did. That is why he was able to see his life as continually being poured out. And so when I moved my lens from just human experience and instead began looking at this passage from the perspective of truth, love, and hope, then I felt like I could say that Paul believed his whole life to be a beautiful offering to God. He wanted everything that he did to glorify him. He wanted everything he did to be a sacrifice laid out for him because he found Jesus wonderful. And he knows that that offering is now coming to an end. There is very little left. But he can look back and see God's faithfulness over and over and over again and know that he was able to fight the good fight, that he was able to complete the race, that he was able to stay in the faith through everything. And he was able to do that because God was with him. And now he is looking forward to that eternal reward. Now he is looking forward to that thing that he has desired more than anything. It's that crown of righteousness, and it is the presence of Jesus Christ, the one who he has longed to be with, the one that he is just looking forward to his appearing. And that is so very close. And he knows in the depth of his being, that that is going to be enough and that it will be good. And he experienced in those final days abandonment by everyone who he called dear. But he also in that moment experienced the strengthening of God that God was there for him in a way that his community was not able to be. And ultimately, 
protected him. Yes, for the moment, protecting him from death, but he doesn't seem to expect that is going to hold, that he is still going to experience death, but he knows for certain that no matter what he faces, no matter what kind of death he faces, what, other, what kind of persecution he faces, he knows that God is going to protect him because he is going to bring him safely into the kingdom. So the thing that he longs for the most, he has no fear of losing it. And I think we have here in Paul, yes, we should live like this too. We should live as if our lives are a drink offering poured out to him. But if you're like me, and you find a gap between your life, your will, and what we see here from Paul, I think the answer to that is that we have to stoke the flames of those things that sat behind what drove Paul here. Truth love and faith. I was reminded of near the beginning of 2 Timothy, words that I think carry even more weight once you know what Paul says here in the fourth chapter about his future. Remember he told this to Timothy. He said, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Yes, that likely meant his spiritual gifts, but I also think those are the gifts that God gives us, the gifts that he had received of the truth of love and of faith. So I think if we want to live into this and we recognize we're not totally there in terms of the way Paul sees things, that first we need to stoke the fire of God's truth. And we've talked about this, the need to be devoted to the word of God. Because it is in his word that we hear that he will be an ever-present help in trouble. It is in his word that we learn about all that Jesus has accomplished to save us and to bring us to him. It is in his word that we learn how to love God and to love our neighbor. It is in his word that we learn about the hope to which he has called us and the truth of his future return. These were things that grounded Paul and these are things that will ground us as well so that when the world seeks to sift us, We will stand firm in that truth. It will be like our anchor in the midst of the stormy seas of the winds of the world. And we need to stoke the fires of faith. If we lack the faith that God is going to see us through loss, if we lack faith that God will truly forgive our sins and bring us into his holiness, if we lack faith that God's reward will be so, so good, that we should remember back to the ways that God has been faithful to us to this point, and we should pray that the Lord will supply what is lacking in our faith. Stoking the fires of truth, stoking the fires of faith, and last, stoking the fires of the love for God. Return and remember the mystery of the gospel. Reflect again on the mighty salvation he has brought for us, and pray that he would give us the kind of love for Jesus that Paul had the kind of love for Jesus that Mary had. I think that that is something that, yes, it comes from a recognition of what he has done and who he is, but I also think it is a gift that we need from the Holy Spirit to have that kind of deep and abiding love for Jesus. So as we are finishing 2 Timothy, my prayer 
is that we as a church would fan these gifts into flame. And that more and more this church would be like a drink offering poured out to God. That we would be like that perfume that was laid on Jesus' feet, poured out because of a deep and abiding love for Jesus Christ. I'd like for us to pray for that now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I find these words of Paul hard. But Lord, through through faith, through love, I can see them as beautiful and desirable. So Lord, I just pray for our church. I pray, God, that you would help us to live into the truth, live into faith, live into love in such a way that we are willing as a church to be poured out to your glory. Lord, I pray that we would be captive in our love to you, be captive in our hope of one day you're returning, that it would be true of us, that, it, that city of refuge loved Christ's appearing. So Lord, I pray that you would do the work of fanning the flames of the gifts that you have given us. Lord, help us to grow in truth and faith and in love and from that be a precious offering to you. All these things I pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.